don't have to pray. It's okay. You're welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords, an actual play podcast of high adventure, low dice rolls, and also high levels of very bad puns. Bees! And bees. With me are our four regulars. I'd like to refer to them as human, but it would be a stretch. So let's go around the team. Who are you and who do you play, Gwyn? Uh, I am Gwyn and I play Percival Cleft the Paladin. Stuart? Uh, well, I'm Stuart, obviously, and I play Tristan T. Wilde. I'm a bard and I'm better than the dandy. That's just a given. Ali? I'm Ali and I play Enigma. Enigma, Enigma. Oh, she's got a middle name. <laughs> yeah. She's getting more <laughs> names every time. It depends if I'm in a cave. <laughs> who are you and who do you play, Mag? I'm Magnus and I play Banbury Lutes, the lovable witch. The most lovable witch. But that doesn't speak highly of the The most witches. lovable witch in this story. Yeah, mm. yeah. So no, far. No, not even in that. In the party. <laughs> hey, we met your mum. She was yeah. lovely. I think my aunt might have been in it at one point as well. So. Yeah. In the top five most lovable witches <laughs> in this story. So, so far. far. Yeah. <laughs> well. When last we saw our heroes, they had joined a village caravan of the rolling people that was sailing across the open plain. They'd been introduced by a friendly chap who landed from a kite to his grandma, who's something like a village elder in this village caravan of Honghe. These are halflings, aren't they? These are halflings, yes. Not everyone in the caravan is a halfling, but these people are. Have we ever seen halflings before? Are they commonplace? Because or... we handled it surprisingly well. Yeah, they're not super common in the Western Kingdoms, but you do see a few around. You just have to watch out. You don't pick up any bad hobbits from them. They are around in the Western <laughs> Kingdoms. You just don't see them that often. And already you're seeing more than you would see in most towns just around this one relatively small village. Another thing you noticed about this village was a couple of wagons that were completely sealed off, which it was explained are dark wagons, where the silk is produced by the most exalted goblins. And of course, prior to your arrival, one of said goblins had appeared and handed you a massive ruby. When this showed up in conversation with Chi Yu, the village elder, she seemed to think that it was very bad news that you had this ruby at all. It was a problem because their entire culture is ruled by silk houses, and each house is closely tied to the dye whose colour they create. Those dye are magically created, and that ruby certainly appears to be the dye stone of the red silk house, which is quite a serious high-level thing that everyday folk don't get to see. So, you're in a wagon that has these paper walls. It's surprisingly spacious. It would probably be opulent if you're a halfling, but even for humans, it's quite spacious. It's quite a luxurious space. You have your tea, and she says, you should not have this. This is a very precious treasure, and I should not have it. This belongs back in Land City. This does not belong in one of our villages. And is that that's the city that we're travelling to at the moment, or a different city? 
We are travelling in that direction. That is the central city of the rolling people. Well, that's fine. We can just hand it over there then. We'll get it there. Take it as red. <laughs> I seem to recall that, uh, Milady, uh, you did mention that we can't just hand it over because they won't believe our story and they'll pretty much kill us on sight anyway, didn't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, that does ring a bell. It's sacrilege that, that we even look. Yeah. She says, the problem is yes. no one should have... I shouldn't have seen this. I happen to know what it looks like because when I was young and foolish, I made some bad decisions. Oh, it's sheer fortune that I even recognise this. Well, we're well, it's fine. We'll just yeah. we can drop it off. We just claim we found like a stone in our shoes, and it looked nice. Well, when we get there, Enigma just do some reverse burglarising, and job is your uncle. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, yeah. she says a a burglar. No, 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 no. no she would have. Re- Reverse burglary. Reverse burglary. I don't know how to do the forward burglary. Yeah. yeah. We give people stuff. We're kind of like a charity. <laughs> give, to the, give to the poor. Yeah. Sort Rob of from deal. The rich. Or in right. this case, the most powerful house in the kingdom. Rob from the sausage. Yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> give to the poor. That's us. We don't want to. We don't want to destabilize anything. So you know, give to the rich. Keep them. Keep them rich and wealthy, and don't destabilize. You know, the set up uh, governing systems. We're not about anarchy. We're, we're, about we're very much straight quo. down the line. I mean, look, we're really good at keeping secrets. Uh, Percy, show her the sort of umbrella. That's a <laughs> massive secret. <laughs> we're basically carrying a shitload of things we shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, but um, seriously, do you want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. Just start cutting the room up. She said, it sounds rad as hell, but I need to think through. <laughs> what? Doesn't it, though? <laughs> I need to think through our immediate problem right now. Just freeze some of the tea in front of her. Just stick your sword in the cup. <laughs> Check this shit out. <laughs> Iced tea, madam. <laughs> coming up. This was presented to you by one of the High Ones. Yeah, a bit weird though, he was just out in the desert by himself. So either he's from your convoy, or he's been out there by himself for ages. Which I assume he'd just die? Or are there goblins, can they survive out there? She says, no, someone must have found you. Someone was looking for you. No one knew we were here. Or he's from somebody else's convoy. Um, Bambri, I have a question for you. Um... We're all friends here, so let's just uh, let's just throw it out. Um, do you recall when you were reading fortunes talking about horny orcs? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure so- there was something about that. And then there's orc horns up all over the place. What was the rest of your prophecy? And does any of it possibly relate <laughs> to this? You're going to be amazed to hear this, but I was just being incredibly flippant because I didn't care about that person or about how their future panned out. So I said a bunch of gibberish that I do not remember. So, the fact that you remember any of it... Oh, so that's weird. That, that's helpful. Yeah, you say it was gibberish, but so far, a lot of your readings have actually come true. Yeah, and also the person that you're talking about was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thanks for that, uh. buddy. <laughs> Look. You lost a good glad we, points. Glad we got this off our chests in this little circle of truth. <laughs> Right, are we? Uh, given we're in the circle of truth, uh, what? Chai Yu, uh, Madam Chai Yu, if you'd like yeah. to come, like join us. Is there anything you want to get off your chest? <laughs> Just you know, a weight off my shoulders would be not having this land in my lap. But here we are. We have a treasure that nobody should have, and we 
have to find a way. Look, 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 look. Honestly, this is no stress. You, you know, as they've said, either Enigma can sort it out or I could just drop it off. I can fly in there, just lob it in in a parcel, whilst invisible, fly off. No one will ever know. We're good at that. But none of this has to do anything to do with your house. We don't want to bring trouble to you. We massively appreciate you saving our lives in the desert. Uh, don't look at us like we're some horrible curse that's befallen you. We are uh, a friendly and lovely guest. And then Bambi's going to try and make a nice smile. But obviously he's a hideously ugly young man. So it'll just look really unpleasant. <laughs> but also the, the, the creature that gave this to us did reference a prophecy. The people that are travelling in the, the dark carriage, do you know, do they share prophecies? Are, are the ones that are travelling with you likely to be aware of such things? Would we be able to speak to them? We have very few dealings with them. Could we just put a note under the door? Effectively, that is most of our communication. Okay, so let's do that. Note under the door saying, did you prophesize the hawks turning up uh, and giving them, like, uh, a big gem? I will do part of that. I will not mention any gems. No, it would be very wise if nobody outside this room knew the existence of this gem. And she, like, opens a drawer in the side wall, and then she closes it, and she, like, rotates the drawers and they kind of twist round and there's another drawer and she opens that and puts it in and closes it and then she rotates the drawers back <laughs> don't get your drawers a twist what's she put in there has she just taken the gem yeah you i think you passed her the gem okay i hope you passed her a fake enigma <laughs> not a fake enigma <laughs> i've got loads of fake gems on me don't pass her a fake enigma just no <laughs> well sounds like that's somebody else's problem now so uh well i fear it will not prove so simple Something suggests to me, <laughs> and I don't know what, what, but these things do not happen by chance. And among the silk houses, there is a lot of intrigue and there are dangerous people there. So there is every chance that we will have to find some solution to this. We've got a solution. It's an invisible witch lobbing that through a window in a sock and then flying away. Job done. Honestly, don't concern yourself. We've done much worse kind of like things. Yeah, it's true. It, easy. I see. Well, very good. Let us think on something more immediate now. But we'll bear this in mind. It seems to me that you are honest people. Yep. <laughs> Definitely honest people. The fact that you immediately offered this to me has given me a confidence in mm. your trustworthiness. Bambi's going to show her his truth tattoo. <laughs> and then he's going to roll up his sleeve and show his mum tattoo. I, I don't read your language. <laughs> oh, this says truth. And this just says mum in an anchor. For a young boy, your arms are surprisingly long and hench. <laughs> <laughs> I've been carrying a bag of rocks. <laughs> You've got arms like an orangutan that is bred with a sailor. <laughs> it's to match out Tristan's tiny legs like a halfling. <laughs> it's perspective. My legs look small compared to your long arms. Because they're far away. <laughs> I'm just leaning <laughs> forwards. <laughs> She's like looking between you. We've got a lot of body issues. We've spent a lot of time naked recently. Yeah, we we've, we've come to some home truths that we didn't know we had. You know, it's been a real bonding experience yeah, almost good. dying and turning to mm. bacon in the desert. I'm going to offer Bambury a high five. <laughs> but you hardly have to reach across. <laughs> <laughs> Bambury's gangly teenage arms high five from a distance. Yeah. She says, as I said earlier, our numbers are limited by our ability to live as part of the village and the 
Of course, we are happy for you to travel with us, but we will have to ask if there is some payment you can offer for your travel. Yes, well, as it happens, we found this um, red gem. (laughs) Nice. So we understand is quite valuable. I suppose what I'm really asking is, if there are tasks that you'd be willing to assist with as we travelled. Well, Bambi is an acclaimed cook. I'm a masterful cook. Uh, we have one of the uh, most famous bards on the other side of the mountain with us. Yep. And Enigma will... I am also here! And Enigma will kill anything <laughs> that even looks at you funny. Yeah. Have you got an ex-husband? <laughs> uh, <do> you... <laughs> I have several. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, and Percy can lift things. Yeah, this is the ship all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well then, my friends, you are welcome to travel with us in Hemohonghai all the way to Land City. Um, I just wanted to ask if I could go up on one of those kite things. Oh, if you wish to travel with the wind seed. Yeah. Of course. That'd be amazing. Of course. Arrange it. Oh, don't let him be the wind seed. He will take that literally. Yeah. He will put his seed to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it raining? Ah, oh. oh, that's not rain. Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... It's kind of like sleet. <laughs> <laughs> Strange weather here. And so you are able to find a place in this village. Now, there are... 14 houses currently in the village and of course they're all occupied by like they're all people's homes effectively they don't operate a guest house so let's hear a little bit about who you stay with so who does Tristan stay with oh why me first (laughs) because you happen to be the person I was looking at when I, I said that. stay with the harem of beautiful, <laughs> surprisingly tall hoplings. And they are Ooh. so happy. <laughs> so there is three tall, elegant, attractive female halflings who share a wagon. Why would we let him in that one? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be dead my morning! <laughs> <laughs> By the terms of their people, they're actually all three of them happily married to one another. And unexcited by Tristan. In fact, if anything, it was entirely the safest place Tristan could be. (laughs) I thought you'd go with Windseed, because that'd be cool, because you could go by Airbnb. (laughs) When I walk in, I I start to woo the ladies, and they're like, yeah, just they all hold up their hand to show the ring, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not needed here. uh, I can see I'm Mr. Requirements here. I'm going to go and hunker down in the wind seat barracks with the guys. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh, guys, eh? <laughs> and it turns out it's mixed gender. Boom. <laughs> yeah, guys in the male and female sense. Okay, so you're going to hang out with Chi Ling, uh, grandson Chi. That's pretty cool. He's happy to have a guest in his wagon. It's it's a little bit small. He's got quite a lot of stuff in his wagon, and obviously the shells are at halfling height, so you do bump into a lot of things. But he's he's fun company. I pull him off the wall uh, when he goes out, just make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's really cluttered in here, Chilean. Look, I'll sort it out. You, and he comes back, and there's all of his stuff's gone, but my guitar is in the middle <laughs> of the room. Where it stands. I fashioned his shells into a guitar stand. He's like this this. This took me years. Well, it only took me like 
a morning. <laughs> I'll teach you all about economy of effort, my good man. <laughs> Banbury, who do you stay with? Uh, Banbury gets treated a bit like a foreign exchange student. Yeah. So he gets put in with a family, uh, and Banbury's all full of questions and interested yeah. in how the world works. So he's been quite polite for Banbury, and he's been quite helpful. And uh, the kid he's put in with, the halfling kid, absolutely hates him um, for being an absolute <laughs> suck up. Um, but the parents are quite happy that little Banbury is in there. Yeah, Although Banbury's okay. put in the kid's room uh, and he's got like a little halfling cot that he, <laughs> his gangly teenage limbs are just kind of <laughs> sprawling out of and his neck's all kind of crooked. But yeah, he's quite enjoying the experience. Okay, yeah, so he's staying with the Z family. Really, yes, they, they quite like having a guest. Basically, they use it a lot to practice their common, which means it's not always clear whether what they're explaining is actually what they mean to say but they're really making the effort um and probably banbury is able to pick up a bit of the rolling people's language as well banbury is still a bit of a dick so he's going to deliberately teach them some miswords just of for his only <laughs> <laughs> okay so z family learning to swear um they think bard <laughs> is called prick so yeah. <laughs> every time they meet tristan brilliant they've got his uh they got his number Okay, and who does Percy stay with? Um, well, Percy doesn't quite fit in a lot of the little housey things. <laughs> yeah. um, but bangs uh, his head through the paper ceiling. Yeah, but but uh, one of the the little huts is particularly sort of it, it's it's not very stable. It's really quite tall with quite a low base, but that means that it's okay for him to sort of sleep in if he's happy to sleep kind of propped upright um, and it belongs to a halfling called Baljeet uh, who is kind of half meteorologist half navigator yeah cool um so it, it's so tall because he's got lots of like little bits of tinkery equipment to yeah. um try and sort of judge wind flows and things like that but perhaps he also uses a, a bit of a, a sense of just his experience from crossing the plains as to which way the wind is going to be going on that particular day and then cross-referencing that with uh, where the best routes would be to to follow yeah he also has like maps of the blood locust migration patterns hmm obviously, because he needs those to keep track of where the Sky Whales will be passing. Sky Whales. Enigma, who are you staying with? Uh, I'm staying with local craftspeople and admiring okay, their work. Yeah. I'll also be uh, writing some in, some in my travel journal about their quaint uh, customs. <laughs> and I'll be having go up myself, um, as we'll see after the break. Um, <laughs> but, but obviously I'll make a terrible job of it. <laughs> and it'll be hilarious. Because I'm not Ray Mears. <laughs> you are. Oh, imagine if I was Ray Mears. It'd be incredible. You'd, you'd be in the like the one little villager thing out on its own because Ray Mears never sleeps with the rest of the crew. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, was thinking so... more I was going to be one of those patronising ones on BBC Four. You know, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be going on a journey. A journey through the desert um, in one of these rolling villages. I'll be meeting the characters, finding out about their local customs and <laughs> crafts. And I'll be having a go myself, as we'll see <laughs> after the break. That's my plan. My real life plan, not Enigma's plan. Any time Enigma starts a conversation, she explains for five minutes everything that led up to the conversation. Yeah, yeah. 
then explains everything that's going to happen during the conversation. I'm a Discovery Channel documentary. Then explains what she's going to do after the conversation. It was here in these wagons <laughs> that these people, these halflings, were able to establish. I can't actually remember any of the plot. Uh, something about silk. <laughs> Every time we see Enigma, she's always walking towards the camera with her hands together in yeah. front of her. Opening Gesturing slightly with an open palm. <laughs> Sometimes, like it's a low camera angle to show the ceiling over her head or the <laughs> grandeur of the sky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and occasionally the shots of me looking at the at the sky with my mouth open, <laughs> which is unlucky as Tristan sells. So Tristan, you get to enjoy life as a wind seed. You get to experience flight and seeing the planes from above. Let's see how your first day goes. Give me a defy danger on dexterity. Okay, but let's be generous so that it's not just a complete failure. <laughs> well, you are quite dexterous. I imagine you'll probably succeed. Yeah, well... It's unlikely you wouldn't. Why would you think that? <laughs> I, I'm imagining. I'm level eight and everyone else is like level four. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So Trist Tristan takes to the sky surprisingly naturally. I like to think I walk up to the front of the uh, I walk to the front of the, the highest point of the carriage and the little guy is like, okay, what you gotta do is and I'm like, hello, let me stop you right there, kid. This is my first uh, sea flight. If you know what I mean? <laughs> like a look across at Enigma and just locking eyes, just leap and I'm doing it <laughs> to show my pure dexterity. I just it's like I'm base jumping, but I just watch her. As I delve out the way, she's like, oh no, Tristan's fallen to the ground. And then, boom, I sweep majestically into the air. She's like, he's okay. <laughs> that is not what I do. <laughs> what? How does Enigma respond to Tristan's showboating? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then I go back in to go and look at the, uh, you know, weaving. To be fair, he does look pretty cool as he disappears off into the sky. Chi-Ling is close behind him shouting some instructions. Tristan, one of the things you realise is that as the wind blows through the wires that support the kite, it's creating a kind of music. There's a certain harmony or chord to what you're experiencing as you travel. The music's going to take me and I'm going to start like singing the counter notes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the other thing that happens, Tristan. You find that as you sing those notes, if you get it just right, and it's really very fine, you can change the direction of your flight. <laughs> so you start being able to steer a little bit by singing. And the weird thing is that Chi Ling is like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? Uh, just that's what I do. I told you, don't, don't sweat it. Don't sweat the small <laughs> stuff, kid. I'll be honest, kid. I, I don't know. Uh, try it. Sing. He tries singing along, but he's never touched the arcane art. Yeah. So he can sing a hearty tune. You've got to work it. You've got to work it every night, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with. Find a moment yourself and work it. Just work on yourself. <laughs> Okay, so Banbury, what work do you take part in as you travel? I think Banbury probably just helps with the bees. 
So obviously they're cultivating stuff uh, yeah. and they're growing things as they're moving. So Banbury's going to take the opportunity to learn how this culture actually survives and how it uh, maintains itself because it's interesting things for him to learn. It also, Bambi grew up around kind of uh, nature and, and loves bees, so he probably helps yeah. with that. And any opportunity he gets, he tries to grab a book and read up on their the background of their society, the different things they've learned there. Uh, yeah, you know, any anything about the curse on the land as well. He he tries to grab five minutes and uh, read up on that book. Okay, yeah, the reading is challenging because there isn't really anything in the common tongue. Mm. It's all in the language of the rolling people, which is pictographic, and it's read top to bottom and from the right to the left. So there's quite a lot of education to get there. But Banbury certainly starts to get some things about life. As they travel, they travel to places where plants have been seeded previously, either by them or by other villages. There seems to be strict rules about who harvests and how much they harvest. And what will happen is the wagons will slow and a team will run out and, like, pull up a whole load of root vegetables or whatever. They'll bag them up and they'll bring them back. And once the harvest is brought in, then the wagons will move back up to a faster speed. So they're always moving, albeit sometimes very slowly. How long did... um try you say someone had to be in an area to be affected by the curse she said a turning of the small moon which comes into about two weeks so it's more about them not wanting to slow the wagons down to a complete standstill than it is about the curse and it is a lot of desert so they're gonna have to go quite a long way to find carrots yeah it seems to be a quality of their culture that they don't ever like to stop they do grow some plants on the wagons but a lot of what they actually consume is harvested in these brief kind of pauses, grabbing, harvesting on. And you start to appreciate why the notion of order is so important to them as well. Because if someone was going through randomly pulling out this harvest, there'd be mayhem. How do they irrigate the land? Because are we not still in a desert? How are their crops growing independent of anyone staying there? And This is part of why they're moving. So the oasis you were in was a place that they would harvest. Oh, right. So they'll find oases, they'll find places where there are waterways, and that's where their crops or the plants they gather will be planted. It's absolutely, their whole way of life is very much focused on constant movement. They even swear by the soil. They're like, cursed soil is a curse that people say. Like, the whole notion, the ground is almost like, they almost hate it. Can Banbury sit outside for a bit and use True Sight to try and pick up the magic in the land and see how, if it's in the soil, if it's in the air, if it's in the... There is something in the soil, not close, but everywhere. There's quite a lot of magic around. Something else Banbury will notice is that there is quite a lot of magic around the wagons. You'll see little sparks from the sigils on the wheels as they turn but also often around the wagons themselves. Something that you probably notice over time, when Chi Yu opened that drawer, when you look at the outside of the wagon, there is no corresponding space for the drawer to have opened from. And so your true sight... I wondered how they did that! Your true sight indicates that 
there is something going on there. Paper walls would have no thickness for a drawer. Uh-huh. I thought I just had misunderstood. Nope. That might also explain why she rotated the drawers and opened a different drawer that was on the same level. Is Choi Yu looking magical if Banbury has a look at her? She doesn't look obviously magical. But your true sight in your experience may not indicate abilities that aren't used currently. What about the dark wagon? Does that seem to be emanating any kind of... Yeah, that certainly has some that has some glow about it. Okay. Um, I'll feed that back to the others as I walk past them as they're doing all their, their kind of daily routines, whatever they're doing. And at the point Banbury mentions it, the Percy, Percy then carries on with his day. Yeah, what's Percy's day like? Um, it, he can speak the lingo. Yes, he um, can. So is probably um, talking to Barji and seeing if he can inspect some of the the maps and various charts that he's got lying around the house just to get a bit of a sense of, you know, where we're going and having a, a bit of a stab at where Malahim might be um, and seeing just how far his charts extend to, uh, whether there's an obvious cut-off point where they stop um, really being interested in what the land says after that. Yeah, so the charts are delimited to the east and west when you go across all of them, like multiple charts because it's a vast area of space. But they are marked by mountains to the east and the west. In between them, a lot of the markings are not so much land features as weather features. Mm -hmm. So it tends to be like where the winds pass at particular times of year. And so, so the maps are very much based on the dynamic of their movement rather than being strictly distances between places. He doesn't recognise the name Malahim, mm. but there are places over in the west towards the mountains. Yeah, so Percy's got a sense of direction to yeah. to Malahim. Can he attempt to work out and trace where that is in relation to the maps and, and what is it that, I, that... Presumably there's a point at, at which they just stop recording features because they're not there's either a barrier or they're not interested yeah. in going beyond there. Um, so is, is that the mountains to the east or is that something else because it's southeast? To the east there are mountains and then there is some kind of barrier marked around level with the mountains. Further north it shows a line of hills that they don't pass beyond. So in the northeast, it seems to be it gets into hill country hmm. that isn't really suitable for their wagons. Yeah. You can see that mostly they're designed for this flatter land, like gentle rolling ground hmm. is fine, but if it gets too hilly, they don't really have the brakes to slow down. Yeah. yeah. So you can certainly see that they sail most of the way across these plains. Balshid, what lies to the to the southeast beyond these these mountains ah beyond the mountains and, and what is this what is this barrier is this barrier just more mountains that's the wall oh the wall yes there, there's a wall across there oh ah you don't want to get too close to that terrible place and how i mean how big is the wall too big for our wheels i'll put it that way too big for our wheels so it's quite small it doesn't have to be that big i mean is it too big for my legs? Yeah, I don't think you'll be able to step over it, but you're a good deal taller than me. Right, and has anyone ever been further than the wall? Oh, yes, I mean, people live there, you know. There's the Iconic Kingdoms out there. Oh, right. They can be a little bit 
grumpy. In what sense? I've just realised we're speaking. We're using your uh, voice that transcends language. Yes. They are a little bit grumpy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like. Well, can I speak to him in common? Um, he, he he doesn't speak it actually. So, oh, okay, uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> Basically, it sounds like there's a very aggressive, militaristic culture out there. So if you imagine the mountains go roughly north to south, mm -hmm. and where there would be a gap is where this barrier is marked. Now, your sense of Malahim is that it's on the near side of the mountains, but in the hills. Right, okay. If you see what I mean. So the mountains are to the far east, Malahim is to the northeast. So it's beyond the mountains so rather than beyond no, the walls. So the wall and the mountains are beyond where Malahim would be. Oh, okay. Malahim is up right. in the hills. That's interesting. Yeah, so Baljeet doesn't know much about those hills. He thinks maybe the ro riding people ride through there, maybe the running people run through there, but the rolling people, their wagons don't go that way. Okay. So would I be able to mark on a map exactly, well, rough, roughly where I thought Malahim was? When you suggest that, Baljeet is quite excited by it. Mm -hmm. He says, this sounds like an exercise. Let's find a way to make it work. Let's find a way. And he starts, like, collating maps. And then, for a while, every day, he gets you to point at Malahim at dawn and at midday. And he records it. And after a while, you have a series of lines that give you a general idea of where it is. Excellent. And where you are relative to it. And this is probably the valuable part to you. You're a long way away. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Baljeet, how long do you think it would take to sail there? Oh, it'd be... Uh, I mean, with, with a good... with, with a favourable yes, wind. Yes, if you had a fast wagon and a favourable wind, well, we should reach Land City within maybe six weeks. From there, perhaps as far again. It depends which way the city's going at the time, of course. Okay, so a, a mere three months, if we're lucky. Yes, perhaps so. I'm sure Tristan will be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> what you really need, of course, is a great horse. A, a great horse? A great horse, yes, like the riding people have. Oh, and who are the riding people? We haven't seen them for a while, but they pass from time to time. Do they? Uh, would we find them in Land City? or? Yes, yes, trading delegations from them often pass that way. Ah, okay. We may meet some before, but of course, the great horses cannot carry just anyone. Or anyone but the riders born to be born by them. But if you want to get somewhere in a hurry, they're the best. Okay, now that, that sounds very useful. Would I be able to take a copy of this map? Oh, it's yours. It's yours for the taking. Help yourself. Thank you. Very generous. He says, you're welcome, Percy. Is there anything that I can do for you in as payment? He actually just gets you to help, like, arranging equipment and taking measurements. Having an extra pair of hands means he can do like measurements from different places at the same time and things like that okay. so that becomes uh, quite useful to him and once he realizes you're a religious man he has all kinds of question about religion which seems to be different here the seven sisters are still known but there are no temples because everything has to move yeah and it's much more a smaller house by house type of devotion so Meeting a priest is relatively novel. Okay. Enigma. Hello. 
what what do you help to build? So, Che Jiang, who you are uh, staying with, works on repairing and building wagons. Then I guess I'm going to try and help repairing and building wagons. Yes, and so she has like a load of tools and materials and things. Traditional crafts. Very traditional, yes. I mean, a lot of these tools are probably the same things they were using 500 years ago. The same types of tool, probably passed from wagon right to wagon right down all the years. And if you look at the marks on these tools, they could have been made generations ago. Generations before these people here repaired their wagons. <laughs> she says something under her breath in the rolling people's language. And then she like says, ah, sorry. And she like breathes on the chisel you're holding and wipes the mark off it and hands it back to you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Their language is like music. <laughs> the way they speak and express themselves is something that you can really tell. Are you hear hammering. Dang, 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 dang. <laughs> it's pretty loud, actually. So what kind of help is Enigma with constructing a wheel? Is she positive or negative help, would you say, on average? Ah. Uh... I want to say she'd be useful, but only in the sense that she probably read about it in a book once, so she's a bit cack-handed. <laughs> she, she has more knowledge than skill. Right, yes, yes. She has information, but it is not knowledge. Yes. Yes, so basically, to start with, Enigma's mostly not very useful. But what it turns out is that she's really good at the fine mechanisms because it turns out there's a lot similar to the hub of a working wheel and a lock or other similar piece of <laughs> mechanical equipment. So actually, Enigma turns out to be quite good at, like, poking ball bearings back into shape and things. It's good I spoke up. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> You're a very helpful fellow. That's a wagon term no one knows. I have not been looking up wagon chat. <laughs> All the wagon chat. Okay, so you have a week or so of quite peaceful travel. And on the seventh day of your journey, a fast wagon comes in. Like a little three-wheeled wagon comes zooming across the plain. And the driver hops aboard and speaks with the three governors of the village. And then gets back on the wagon and rides away. That evening, Chi Yu invites you to have dinner with her. I assume the information they give is reliant. <laughs> That's very cool. I was trying to toss up between that and whether they were Robin. <laughs> yep, American listeners won't get that. <laughs> no, no, they won't. I mean, anyone that, you know, under 30 is not going to get that either. This is also true, you know, fair. Stupid young people. We don't want young people. <laughs> when you come in, she says, this is interesting. Why? What is it? What, what are we having this evening? <laughs> like a kind of new type of stew you've never seen before? Oh, no, it, it is this uh, onion stew. I mean, that doesn't sound interesting. Well, it's... But, I mean, not, not that I'm rejecting it. That's not the interesting part, though. It will be delicious, I'm sure. And it has layers. <laughs> It certainly does, and Banbury's seasoning mixture has proved very popular. Oh. Mm. I'm a hit, guys. I'm a hit. <laughs> oh, he's such a fun guy. 
It's re really made it a little bit fiery. Now, that was a runner from the Red House that visited earlier. I see. The report that they were bringing was that certain outsiders had broken in and stolen the dice stone. So that seems unlikely. Well, no, it seems quite likely. It's just the different outsiders to us. Also, um, has she got a, like an honorific title that we've been told, or do we just call her by her first name? Her title is Third Spoke. Okay. But uh, everyone calls her Grandmother Chi. Okay. Uh, Grandmother, you said you'd go and ask uh, or put a note under the door of the goblins if they knew about us being in the prophecy. Did you get a response from them? Oh, yes, of course. Apologies, I should have reported that to you sooner. They said they had never heard of you. Okay, cool. There we go. Did they give descriptions of these outsiders? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I don't know, is it? Yes, this is part of what's interesting. Oh, I see, finally. One of them was described yes. as bearing a musical instrument of strange design. Uh, it's a guitar. It's not me. They're not popular among the wagons. A bit bulky. Another was described as a short cleaner of some kind, bearing a broom. They described a strong man with a handlebar moustache. Hmm. They described a woman with a mysterious demeanour. A misdemeanour. And I would almost swear they were talking about you. Well, it certainly sounds like they're talking about us, which... How have we possibly been set up when no one knew we were here? Well, people do know that we're here because people have given us the gem. So at that point, they know who they gave it to. Can you think of a way that someone would know... <gasps> that guy from a while ago who used to... was one pretended to be us and stuff. The mimic guy? Yeah. yeah or the, the thing that gave us the gem... <clears throat> Then went off and lied sp and spread the rumor that we, we it was us what done to blag. Yeah, it's pretty easy to go. Oh, you guys are here finally. The people from the prophecy that I'm making up as I'm saying it. Here, I'm about to be caught. Here's this gem. Oh, I know who stole it. Some people that I just met and made a prophecy up about. So, <laughs> mm. or there's four more heroes on a. A completely different side quest to us. <laughs> it might be a massive coincidence. This could be amazing. We'll have some like friends we can chat. I'll have something in common with Willow. We'll, you know, we'll just hang out. Oh, you're going to try and get off with him. Mm. <laughs> That's a given. She says, Young Banbury, I think you are most likely to be correct. It seems likely to me that you were supposed to be implicated and they were not aware that you had already spoken to me about this. Yeah. Clearly... They believe that you can be set up. We look like chumps. <laughs> and I do not believe it will be so easy. But this is not the last of it. Clearly, there are forces moving. And when we reach Land City, we will undoubtedly have some contention to deal with. Well, if, our, if our descriptions have already been spread far and wide, then does it make a lot of sense for us to actually go to Land City? Or should we be dropped off before we get yep. there? Percy, we can set up a sting to find out who actually stole the gem and become heroes. Okay. They don't know that we know. That is an advantage, she says. We've definitely got time for this. We'd be like the police. I mean... Hey! You're all about justice. We can work out who's done this, and then they might be able to help us get to Malheim quicker. So if you work with us, Granny Chi, then you'll She's... be a hero too. It would be good to be a hero one last time, I suppose. Yeah. One last time? So... How do you propose that we should operate this sting? 
Master Wild. Well, they don't know that you know that we had gem. What? So we need to find... Is there an authority within the Citadel or the Rolling City that you trust? It should be possible to establish who can be trusted. I suspect that the leaders of the Red House may be trustworthy, but there is a slim chance that they are playing some devious game. Yeah, so do you? did you recognise the messenger? No, but the house messengers travel far and fast and we don't see them often. People don't stay in that career for a long time because it's very arduous. Well, do you think it was a genuine messenger or could somebody have killed the messenger and now they're trying to play a game and they've taken his place or he was bearing a house seal but those could be forged yeah i should have thought to evaluate it more closely and you don't think there's any way we could actually contact the red house without them getting pissed off that we have it at all the danger is i could not be sure to trust any messenger between here and there not with this information no but when we got there if they have had it stolen and there is someone sort of playing silly buggers in between. We might be able to work with them to try and work out who did the actual stealing. Yes, she says. That would be a very wise idea. Um, well, it's something to, you know, I'm not having my good name tarnished by some little half man. <gasps> no offence. Offensive. <laughs> no offence. Or or half lady. Half lady. Yeah. No judgment here. Twice offensive. Also, many of the house heads are human. Oh. Um, well, it could be, do you know of Sudek? Does that mean anything to you? I know the name. The Western Kingdoms have little relevance to us. Well, they might be getting involved for all you knew. I, I would be surprised if this wasn't something to do with Alan Briar and Sudek. So there may be... I think it's some kind of rouge. Yes, yes, I do. I douche. You douche. I douche. <laughs> she says, very well, what we must do is... Continue as closely as we can towards Land City. Keep things calm and try not to reveal our hand before we get there. <laughs> We'll be caught red-handed. Did you mention to that courier that we were here? Funnily enough, it must have slipped my mind. Excellent. I'll give her a slow nod. I haven't had one of them for a while. <laughs> Good. You know how to play the game, Granny Chi. I respect that in a lady. I like your uh, your hair today. It's looking really nice. Oh, don't make weird. What would happen if one of the other houses got their hands on this gem? I mean, so if House Blue, I mean, would you just get lots of purple sails? Yeah. <laughs> the balance of power is very fine. If it tips any way, then the risk is that we end up with houses collapsing or creating a kind of civil war between them. It is like woven silk where every strand carries weight and if you start cutting strands the shape that you end up with is hard to judge and it may well just fall apart completely. That is my fear for the future of our people if this is not resolved. The other thing we have to consider is and there is just a massive crashing noise from outside the wagon. And then a moment later, the wagon starts to shake from side to side. And you can hear shouts and calling from outside in the night. Ah, the stab continues. Sorry, Granny, you were saying! <laughs> <laughs>
friends a quick request. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend, write a review. We'll be very grateful to you. If you think this rhyme was poor, tell people about us. We'll write more. And who do you play? <coughs> Stuart uh, coughed just as you said the name of the person. Yeah, no idea who it is. Sorry. Who was it? And I play Tristan King Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was someone was coughing while I was talking, so I didn't hear what I said. He says, "No, as I said last, as I said last episode." <laughs> <laughs> yes, Man, she's so postmodern. Go with it. Yeah, the fourth wall has no chance against Meta. Meta halfling. That's a given. That's a given. Things could get violent. The distribution. You ended the last episode. God damn it. Yes, keep all of that in. <laughs>